So on behalf of all of us on staff and faculty, welcome to a new semester. My academic dean colleagues, Tara Kishbaugh and Dan Ott, and I decided to unpack that phrase, welcome to a new semester. You may take this as further evidence that academics obsess on words, but we enjoy doing so. I'm going to start by asking, what do we mean by welcome? At the most basic level, to welcome someone is to greet them with courtesy or cordiality. This is what we hear or see when we cross uh, into another state or province or visit another country. Welcome to West Virginia. Uh, Bienvenue a Quebec. Bienvindo a Brazil. It's nice to be welcomed in such a way, but we recognize that it's perfunctory and generally performative. Then there's a deeper level of welcome the kind we receive when we visit with beloved family members or friends. We recognize that we're in their home or space, but we feel embraced and welcomed into that space. I remember when my spouse and I returned from a three-year term of service in Brazil in 1986 and how wonderful it was to be welcomed home by friends and family. But we also understood that we were in their home and we would soon be expected to find our own apartment. The deepest level of welcome is genuine inclusion, where we become part of a community and are invited to invest ourselves in it, to learn about it, and to contribute to making changes that are needed in that community. Unlike stopping by for dinner at a friend's house, we are invited in to stay for a long while and even to help rearrange the furniture. In fact, we soon realize that some of the furniture is so outdated and uncomfortable that it needs to be thrown out even gift and thrift wouldn't want it. <laughs> and some new furniture needs to take its place. So in my 18 plus years at EMU, I have seen multiple student initiatives that accomplished exactly that level of transformation. This included years of advocacy for LGBTQ plus inclusion, for the creation of a high level DEI position, and for a full embrace of the range of religious traditions on campus. Now, that doesn't mean that those of us in leadership roles were consistently supportive allies. Sometimes we get very attached to our old furniture. But I believe we're learning that gen being genuinely welcoming doesn't mean someone stops by for a couple or even four years. It means that when you choose to become part of the EMU community, you deserve to be fully included in that community. We pledge to strive to make that a reality. I get the word new. <clears throat> Some semesters may feel more new than others. I've always loved the chance to reboot and reorient that happens at the start of a new semester. I find that returning again to the start, um, something that you do is you reread a poem, you reread a favorite book, um, as you replay a game, is <clears throat> to return to something that in some ways feels familiar but in other ways is not. So let's pause in a moment of mindfulness and recognize what's familiar and what's new and what can be made new. Please accept this blessing from John O'Donohue on new work. I invite you to hold some aspect of what you find new about this period of time in your mind as you receive this blessing. May your new work excite your heart. Kindle in your mind a creativity to journey beyond old limits 
of all that has become wearisome. May the new work challenge you toward new frontiers that emerge as you begin to approach them, calling forth from you the full force and depth of your undiscovered gifts. May your work fit the rhythms of your soul, enabling you to draw from the invisible new ideas, new vision that will inspire. Remember, to be kind to those who work for and alongside you. Endeavor to remain aware of the quiet world that lives behind each and every face. Be fair in expectations, compassionate in criticism. May you have the gift and grace of encouragement. Awaken the gift in the other's heart, building in them the confidence to follow the call of the gift. May you come to know that work which emerges from the mind of love will have beauty and form. May this new work be worthy of the energy of your heart and the light of your thought. May your work assume a proper space in your life. Instead of owning or using you, may it challenge and refine you bringing you every day further into the wonder of your heart. So we're picking apart this phrase, welcome to a new semester. And I volunteered to take the most boring part, semester. I did so because I love etymology. I love to dig into where words come from. And I thought, because I know a little bit of Latin, that I saw a root here for the word seed. I was hoping to be able to say something poetic about a, a moment that's pregnant with learning, perhaps. But it turns out that the word semester really just means six months. <laughs> it developed from half a year of study. Over time, it came to mean uh, roughly uh, 15 weeks in our academic year, four months. It's a chunk of time. A little piece of your academic career, roughly an eighth of an undergraduate course of study. I often think of all the little things that you just have to figure out as a parent. There are handbooks, I've read them, but they don't tell you every little detail and some of the stress that comes with some of the small things that you have to learn. I remember when our kids uh, first started eating solid food. We had to be sure to cut up their food into just the right-sized bites. You had to make sure that they could handle the bite that you were offering them to eat. It was a little nerve-wracking. Your professors have been likewise figuring out the right-sized academic bite for your semester. They've been fretting over it. They've been asking themselves what skills you need to hone, what the next step in your knowledge acquisition might be. They've been trying to figure out just the right-sized academic morsel for you. They've been chopping up your learning into just the right-sized bite. And so I'd like to encourage you to savor the morsel of this semester. Don't look ahead. 
Don't think about that piece of paper that awaits you at graduation, seniors, in your last semester. I'm talking to you. Don't think about the end. Don't fret over getting a job. Just savor your semester. Notice how your skills are growing. Wonder at the new worlds you will discover this semester. Realize that this is just a piece, a moment, a chunk, and cherish the chunk. Cherish this time set aside for learning. Welcome to your new semester. Bon appetit. Good morning, EMU community. I'm Shannon Dykus, your Dean of Students, and I have the honor today of offering some scripture reflection. Our theme today will invite us to the lessons that um, our provost wants to bring to us um, that are rooted in the idea of love and the way that love uh, has come to us, the way we get to hold it as a lesson along our learning journeys and along our life. And so this reflection combines several scriptures from the Psalms and from 1 Corinthians 13 and an insert from a litany on calling. Please hear these words and take what's meaningful. You, Yahweh, are compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, overflowing with love and faithfulness. May our love be patient and kind. You, creator, who have made us see many troubles and calamities will revive us again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring us up you will increase our honor and comfort us once again. May our love avoid shame and caring only about itself. May our love resist being happy with lies and injustice. Let truth make us glad. Loving God, you have examined our hearts and you know everything about us. You know when we sit down and when we stand up. You know our thoughts when we are far away. You see us when we travel, when we rest. You know everything we do. You know what we're going to say before we say it. You go before us and follow. You place your hand of blessing upon our heads. May our love keep walking even when carrying a heavy load. May our love keep trusting, never losing hope and standing firm in hard times. And so in this great spirit of love, Listen for the voice of God thundering softly in your depths. Listen with your hunger, your hurt, your heart, and all of its wisdom cultivated over time and in the company of others. These are the soils from which God calls us to blossom and bloom, to bear fruit that nourishes and grow our future with care. This tending requires courage, but it is not a sacrifice. Let yourself unfold into the direction of shared flourishing. Trust in the sacred, the sacred that bubbles up within you, the divine that takes on flesh. The divine takes on flesh and yours is no exception. You can be a conduit of eternal love. You can be an act of radical solidarity. You can be a moment of grace. 
There's so much hope in knowing God is always that close. There's so much joy in showing up to our collective possibility, saying yes, saying here I am, saying may it be so. Divine love endures forever. Love has no end. Amen. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a new semester. I now realize that that sentence is a lot more nuanced than I thought, so take it as you will. I'm Hannah Beck, and this is Meredith Lehman, and we'll be serving as your student government co-presidents for the spring semester. We hope you all had a restful winter break and are now ready to begin again. I spent the last semester studying in Peru through EMU's intercultural program, so I'm really excited to be back. I'm eager to meet lots of new faces and re-engage with this campus community as I enter this role of co-president with Meredith. If I haven't met you yet, please feel free to just come up to me and introduce yourself. I'm always happy to meet new people. All of that being said, we want to acknowledge that we're all at very different places entering this semester, so our hope is that EMU can be a safe and exciting place this spring semester for each one of us to re-engage with each other and this community, as well as our own dreams, goals, and passions. And now I'd like to introduce EMU's Provost Fred Niss. Fred Niss is an EMU alum and has served as Provost of EMU since July 1st of 2009. Prior to that, he was Professor and Chair of Sociology at Loyola University in Chicago, where he also founded and directed the McNamara Center for the Social Study of Religion and served for one year as Interim Dean of the Graduate School. Fred received his PhD in Sociology from the University of Chicago in 1992. His research has examined new immigrant religion, religious change and conflict, faith-based international relief and development organizations, and the so-called culture wars. He is co-author of the book, Sacred Assemblies and Civic Engagement, How Religion Matters for America's Newest Immigrants. He also published a variety of articles and chapters on religious and cultural change, and is the author of Disquiet in the Land, a study of cultural conflict among US Mennonites in the 19th and 20th centuries. Fred has served as president of the Association for the Sociology of Religion and as chair of the American Sociological Association section on Sociology of Religion. He has held editorial positions for the American Journal of Sociology, Journal for the Scientific Study of Religion, and Sociology of Religion. Fred is married to Rosalind Myers Niss. He and Rosalind are the parents of two sons, both of whom are graduates of EMU. And fun fact, Fred and Rosalind were SGA co-presidents in the 1976 to 1977 academic year. Welcome, Fred. Good morning, everyone. And thank you, Hannah and Meredith, for that generous introduction. I know President Huxman, who is attending a National Conference of University Presidents in California, would like to be here this morning to join me in welcoming you all to a new semester and wishing you the best in what lies ahead. When the President asked me to step in for her in delivering the spring opening convocation address, her pitch to me was that this would be a good opportunity for me to deliver my swan song. As many of you know, I plan to retire at the end of June 
after 14 years of service at EMU as provost. However, in case you aren't aware of the legend of the swan song, it actually involves the death of the swan. <laughs> now, there's still a lot of important work for us to do together between now and the end of June. So rather than a swan song, what I want to offer this morning are a few reflections on my time at EMU and perhaps a few words of encouragement in a spirit of gratitude for the important lessons I have learned during my time in this very special community of learning. Let me begin by acknowledging how much I have loved serving as EMU's provost. For 14 years, I've had the privilege of doing work that I love for an institution that I love alongside people I love. I know just how fortunate I am to be able to say that in a world where so many struggle to find meaningful work and many others perform difficult, unpleasant, or dangerous jobs as a matter of survival. We who have the pleasure and satisfaction of being lifelong learners and educators are truly blessed, and that is true for each one of us, students, faculty, and staff. In reflecting on my time at EMU, one of the things I did was to review the content of various speeches and presentations I've given here since starting my work in 2009. There were three recurring themes that I found myself grappling with in various ways that over time developed into three important lessons that you all, as my community of learning, taught me. These lessons reformed me as a scholar and educator and changed my vision of what higher education is all about. Lesson one is what it actually means to be a community of learning. At EMU, we learn together. We use that word together a lot around here, and it's more than just a marketing tagline. I know because across a 35-year career in higher education, I've had the opportunity to work at or interact with many different universities, and nowhere have I experienced the kind of communal, collaborative learning that I've observed at EMU. Our faculty see their educational work as rooted in a collaborative relationship with students, one that needs to be intentionally built and maintained. Our staff, from the Student Life Division to the business office to the library to the facilities and custodial staff and all the other offices that I haven't mentioned, understand in their bones that their work is to collaborate with students in achieving their educational, spiritual, and personal development goals. Another way community shows up is in our commitment to the common good. Every university I've been associated with has paid lip service to the common good, but EMU is the only place where I've seen it consistently put into daily practice. One of the things I told each of the provost candidates who visited campus in December was that EMU is a place where people behave as if the common good were a real thing that should shape decision-making and daily interactions. This means that we have fewer turf battles and fewer destructive disagreements. Let me tell you a story from my very first year at EMU. There was an all-faculty meeting where we were debating a policy decision over which there was some contention and disagreement. 
I no longer remember what the particular issue was. What I remember was the tenor of the debate and the spirit of the meeting. Near the end of the discussion, a senior faculty member stood up and said, this policy change is going to disadvantage my department and it will make my own work more difficult and complicated. But I can see that this will be better for students and it will, be better, it, it will benefit the university overall, so I plan to vote in support. That was one of several you're not in Kansas anymore moments for me during that first year because I could not have imagined that sort of comment at any of the other universities I knew. This practical application of the abstract notion of the common good derives from another key EMU commitment that undergirds our community of learning, our commitment to the integration of theory and practice. This shows up in a variety of ways from how we evaluate faculty for promotion and tenure to how we design educational experiences like our intercultural programs or our Washington semester. We care about pure science and theory at EMU, but we always link them to practical implications, especially practices that promote peace and justice in the way of Jesus. That point is made explicitly and eloquently in EMU's vision, vision statement, which you can read on the back of your program. We always ask our students and ourselves how what we are learning will affect both our individual choices and behavior and the structural policies and practices to bring about more mercy and justice in the world. We aspire to practice our core commitments and our official university statement, Life Together, Commitments for a Community of Learning, articulates in some detail what those commitments are and how we intend to live them out. This commitment to integrating theory and practice in the context of community is rooted in the Anabaptist Mennonite faith tradition that undergirds and continues to shape our community of learning. Likely the most frequently quoted saying of an Anabaptist father, founder is that of Hans Denk, who noted that no one can know Christ truly unless they follow him daily in life. Knowledge is linked to practice, word to deed. The second important lesson EMU has taught me is that, is that the strangeness of living betwixt and between can be a space of creativity and vitality. Let me explain what I mean by that. Throughout its more than 100 year history, EMU has always placed itself in tension with dominant orthodoxies in higher education, leading it to embrace innovation and doing things differently from others. This was the central point of Donald Crable's centennial history of EMU, which he subtitled, A Century of Countercultural Education. For more than 100 years, EMU has always been a little bit weird, and I mean that in the best possible way. The content of our weirdness has varied across time and in different contexts. In its very origins in 1917, EMU placed itself in tension with other Mennonite colleges, defined by theological and regional distinctions, hence our name. We were the college for Eastern Mennonites. A few decades later, our relatively early adoption of racial integration put us at odds with other predominantly white colleges and universities in the South. 
More broadly, if we think of the three dominant families of Christian faith-based higher education, EMU has never been comfortably at home in any of them. The three families I have in mind are first, evangelical colleges and universities who have largely owned the label of Christian college. Second, older, more establishment, mainline Protestant schools. And third, uh, last but not least, the Catholic university world. While we were never fully a part of the evangelical Christian college world, we have recently been made further unwelcome there because of our commitment to full diversity, equity, and inclusion in our community of learning. Neither have we been fully comfortable in the mainline Protestant networks, where the ecumenical impulse has often led to watering down or soft-pedaling particular faith commitments. While we share inclusionary and justice-oriented values with many of those schools, we are also committed to keeping a particular faith tradition and its theological commitments as a central organizing principle of our institutional life and work. And of course, historic and institutional boundaries have excluded us from the Catholic university networks, even though we share with them many of the same core values and holistic pedagogical approaches. Even with our own denomination, the Mennonite Church, we have existed betwixt and between the denomination and the secular world. With one foot in each world, our boundary-spanning location has sometimes been viewed as a threat to the denomination rather than a gift, a boundary violation rather than a mutually beneficial bridge. In my view, our location betwixt and between, our weirdness, if you will, is truly a gift, both to ourselves and to others. Because we don't belong squarely in the camp of any of the dominant higher education orthodoxies, we have fewer constraints in responding creatively to new challenges. When faced with a new idea or a difficult decision, we are able to ask, given our own particular identity and commitments, what is the best path forward? The tension of our living betwixt and between is the engine that has powered our century of countercultural education. I could point to many instances of how this has worked, but I think our Center for Justice and Peacebuilding and our STAR program for training in trauma resilience are especially good examples. They must have seemed like strange ideas at their point of origin, not the sort of thing that small liberal arts colleges should be doing. But they have flourished as flagship programs for EMU, and similar programs have since been adopted and emulated by many other universities around the world. And finally, the third and most important lesson I want to highlight is that in the end, it all comes down to love. It may seem odd to talk about something as mushy as love in the context of a university. After all, aren't we all about hard science, rational thought, data-driven decision-making? What does love have to do with all of that? Well, EMU has taught me that love is at the center of all we do. It shows up in many mundane, everyday ways. I've been struck by how often job candidates for faculty and staff positions have spoken to me as they're leaving campus about the kindness and warmth 
they experienced here on campus. This comes as a surprise to people who are used to the culture at other universities, as it did for me when I first arrived here. But when you think about it, the centrality of love at EMU is actually required by the previous two distinctives I discussed. The agape love of compassion for each other, of seeking others good as we seek our own, is what knits together a true community of learning where the common good is valued and practiced. Our loving acceptance of each other as siblings makes it possible for us to be weirdly countercultural. We can take the risk of being innovative and creative when we know that we will still belong in the community even if we fail. In addition to agape love and filial love, there's a third kind of love, passionate love, desire, what the Greeks called eros, that is spoken of much less frequently in the context of higher education, but that I have seen at work in how we live and learn together at EMU. Our best scholarly work grows out of a passionate pursuit of truth, a love of knowledge, a curiosity that drives us to learn more and more about the object of our passion. There is also a deep desire for connection to others that underlies our best interdisciplinary conversations, the scholarly collaborations between teachers and students that happen here with such frequency, and our centers that promote dialogue across difference. Professor Willie Jennings in his book, Beyond Whiteness, offers a profound critique of Western higher education, which he argues is organized around individual autonomy and mastery, and most often white male autonomy and mastery. Not coincidentally, his final chapter, where he articulates an alternative way of thinking about education, is entitled Eros. He suggests that the best way forward for higher education is to organize our efforts around the basic human desire for connection rather than autonomy, and to practice relational mentorship and mutual exploration and learning as our primary mode of pedagogy. We have certainly not yet arrived at that ideal at EMU, but I believe our history as a countercultural community of learning, held together and motivated by love, puts us in a position to be pathbreakers in rethinking higher education itself as a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive community. Our tagline, Lead Together, is certainly suggestive of that. And in this historical moment, our divided, polarized world desperately needs a model of how a community can learn, innovate, and take risks together. For that reason, I am most optimistic about EMU's future. To be sure, we face significant threats. In addition to the demographic and economic challenges that all small colleges face today, the past three years of pandemic reality have been a particular challenge to the sense of community, the countercultural innovation, and the love that make EMU distinctive. Our communal ties are strained when many of us work remotely, when so many of our interactions are on Zoom, and when we have fewer experiences of full, embodied, face-to-face -face interaction. When pandemic-induced fear, anxiety, and uncertainty dominate our thinking, it's difficult 
to take the risks that countercultural educational innovation requires. And I think we're all aware that fatigue and exhaustion have depleted our stores of compassion, grace, kindness, and love. As we emerge from the pandemic, as we discover what the new normal will be for life on campus, it will be important for us to find ways to recommit ourselves to remaining a true community of learning, to finding the courage to take bold, innovative, countercultural risks, and to rebuilding our stores of compassion and love. So this is not a swan song. We still have much important work to do together in the next six months. As we prepare to welcome our new provost, I trust we will also prepare to embrace the change that should and will inevitably come with new academic leadership. I know we can do this because it is what we have repeatedly done throughout our 106-year history as a university, reinvent ourselves in the face of new opportunities and challenges while holding constant our commitments of faith, love, the countercultural pursuit of truth, and our calling to follow the way of Jesus in seeking peace and justice. That is what it means to truly be the peace and justice university we claim to be. So, EMU students, faculty, and staff, I thank you for all you have taught me over the past 14 years. Thank you for being such great colleagues and fellow travelers on this adventure. And thanks for listening this morning as I tried to reflect on the significance of all we have been doing together. May God bless each of us as we launch this new semester. Thank you. Thank you. And now I'm very pleased to welcome to the stage Ken Miedema, who will provide a musical response to the ideas we've been considering this morning. Ken is a renowned pianist, singer, and songwriter who is on campus this week as part of our seminary's School for Leadership training. This is Ken's 50th year of performing professionally. He has brought his unique style of musicianship to audiences as small as 50 and as large as 50,000 in 49 of the United States and more than 15 countries on four continents, including at least one previous performance at EMU when I was an undergraduate student here in the 1970s. That was a memorable evening. Ken custom designs each of his musical performances using genre-crossing improvisation to make personal connections with his audience. So his approach actually embodies the lessons we've been discussing this morning. Ken, welcome to the stage and welcome back to EMU. Semester begins with a word from the provost, friend and teacher and mentor and guide. Helps us to find the path we are seeking. Greets us with wisdom and stands by our side. Oh, Dr. Ness, you said it so well. We can hear your passion 
burning. Help us become what we're longing to be, community of learning. These are the days for learning and for loving. Those are the days to risk and take a chance. These are the days for waking and for working. These are the days to dream and dare and dance. Days for learning and for loving. These are the days to risk and take a chance. These are the days for waking and for working. These are the days to dream and dare and Your feet, beat on a drum, dance in the street, sing out a song, make a rhythm and rhyme, dare to be lovers in a dangerous time. Ooh, these are the days for learning. And for loving These are the days to risk And take a chance Oh, we just lost power What do you know? These are the days Oh, these are the days To dream and dare and dance With the hungry, dance with the cold, make friends with the lonely, laugh with the old. Don't be afraid now, do not despair, dare to be dreamers, but dreamers are rare. Walking, dreaming and daring. These are the days to dream and dare. These are the days to dream and dare. These are the days to dream and dare. Oh, Dr. Ott. Oh, all the doctors. All the teachers. 
all the students, all the folk who make this place what it needs to be. Oh, Dr. Ness, you said it so well. We can hear your passion burning. Help us to become what we long to become. A community of learning. And meet him, Mom. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here again. Good morning. My name is Byron Peachy, Director of Intercultural Programs. Sixteen students will soon be leaving for a semester of study and learning in South Africa led by Andrew and Karen Suderman. I invite the students and the Sudermans with their children who are going along to come forward and to sit on the front steps now for a prayer of blessings. And as they are coming forward, uh, invite friends to also come forward, family who may be here, faculty and staff also come forward and We'll place hands on them um, as part of our prayer of sending. So do come forward. We have a long tradition here at EMU of students traveling for experiential and intercultural learning. The group is led by Karen and Andrew Suderman. Andrew teaches in our Bible and Religion Department. And they'll be exploring the legacies of colonialism and apartheid, the role of the South African church, and the ongoing struggle for justice and peace in the South African context. They will first spend a week in Washington, D.C., connecting with themes within the U.S. context, and they will depart campus on Friday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon in front of the main commons entrance. You're welcome to come and join, saying farewell then. University Chaplain Brian Martin Burkholder will now lead us in prayer. And before I do, if I want to remind anyone who's new this semester, if you're logging convocation points, you do need to scan out. But first, stay until the end. And South Africa group, be sure to do that, because this is two points for you too. All right. God, we acknowledge that you've been present with us this morning and that you are present with us each day, wherever we are, wherever we go. This morning, we especially seek protection and blessing for each of the students and leaders and children who will be traveling to South Africa. And we pray for those who will host them throughout their learning adventure. We're grateful for the desire and willingness of these students and leaders to step into unknown places, to be challenged for growth through this intercultural experience. God of the universe, 
We ask that you open their eyes to the extraordinary world that you've created, that they would have hearts and minds of curiosity, openness to seeing you in unlikely places, and a desire to care for one another along the way. May you be evident to them in times of loneliness, fear, anxiety, joy, discovery, as they learn more about who you are, about others, themselves, and this wonderful and challenged world of yours. We pray for safety and health for each one, and not only for them, but for the people they'll meet along the way, and also for those they leave behind. May the people who host these students have the energy and wisdom needed for introducing a new context. And we pray for the group leaders, Andrew and Karen Suderman, asking that you grant them wisdom for the journey and the ability to sense and interpret your presence and guidance along the way. So thank you for the opportunity that each of us have as travelers and learners. Some experience EMU right here at main campus or satellite campuses as intercultural experiences, risking stepping out of the comfortable into the world, inviting increased vulnerability and reliance on your love and protection and dependence on the community formed and engaged along the way. In your mercy we pray, amen. We wish you well, we wish everyone well. Thank you for gathering today and go in God's love sharing that with one another.